Welcome to the Ordinary Doula Podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning, where we help prepare folks for labor and birth with expertise coming from 20 years of experience in a busy doula practice, helping thousands of people prepare for labor, providing essential knowledge and tools for positive and empowering birth experiences. This is Angie Rozier with the Ordinary Doula Podcast. Today, our topic is going to be about the cervix, the amazing cervix and all the cool changes that it does towards the end of pregnancy and during, of course, during labor and delivery. So we're going to talk about cervix exams, what is being examined, what's being recorded, what it's doing, and then how the cervix makes its changes during labor. So during labor, there's two very important things going on. One of them is the opening of the cervix. The second thing that the uterus, which is just a muscle, is trying to do is to position the baby and help the baby to descend. And there's lots of different things that go into that. But we're going to focus today on the cervix and what it's doing. So traditionally, I don't know when this started or why it'd be fun to look into, but a lot of providers or groups will start to offer cervical exams at about 36 weeks. So that is, they check the cervix, right? They go up the vagina, they, with a gloved hand, they'll check the cervix and they're checking about five different things about the cervix, which we're going to talk about today. They may tell you one or two of those things, but they are looking at several components of the cervix. So while many providers will start offering cervical exams about 36 weeks. They're not necessary. Traditionally, they've offered them weekly at that point. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Would love to look into that more. They're not super pertinent. Some people are curious and they want to know and that's so fine. Other people don't want to know. They'd rather not know and some people just don't want to get checked. So as you approach a due date a little closer, it might be good information to have, like what is the cervix doing right now? Where's it at? How can we, you know, what, what does it need to work on? Um, how far into the process of opening is it? Even before contractions begin, it could be starting its journey. So um, the cervix is a really cool piece of anatomy. It literally like disappears and then returns. So when I teach childbirth classes, I like to have uh, a, to demonstrate the changes that the cervix goes through is a can of soup and an open disc frisbee. So the cervix really does some pretty remarkable changes from being much like a can of soup to being completely different, an open disc frisbee. So a cervix at the end of pregnancy is going to start changing usually. Not always, but we can expect some changes in those last few weeks. Maybe that's why they start checking people late in pregnancy. And for some folks in high-risk categories, they may be, may be needing to check much earlier. But typically, they're going to start checking end of pregnancy. Even if you don't get checked till your due date, that's lovely too. So the five components they check about the cervix are the consistency, the effacement, the dilation, the position of the cervix, and then the station of the baby's head that they can tell through an exam. So we're going to go through all five of those things and talk about those. So the consistency of pregnant cervix is behaves very differently than a laboring cervix, of course. A pregnant cervix is about two inches thick. It is also very dense, like the consistency of it's pretty firm. So I want you to think of a stick of butter in the fridge, like it's just pretty firm. That consistency will begin 
changing oftentimes towards the end of pregnancy. So these changes we're going to talk about happen in a general order with a whole lot of variation to the order. So first the cervix has to soften. So in time, or you know, this could happen very quickly, it can happen over a period of days or weeks, that cervix is going to soften. So maybe an exam, a cervical exam at some point, um, whoever's doing the examination says, oh, your cervix is so soft. So now that is more like a stick of butter on the counter in August when it's really hot. So that you can just, you know, whoever's doing the exam, their finger just goes right into the cervix. It's the consistency is very soft. So that is a change the cervix makes. The cervix then needs to thin out vertically. I'm not talking about opening, but thinning out. This is what we call effacement and the thinning of the cervix. It's given in a percentage number. So if someone is told they have a soft cervix that is 50% thinned, then remember it's about two inches thick. It's now about an inch thick. So that thinness is starting to happen. And in my mind, that's the most exciting thing to have happening before labor begins. Dilation, eh, we don't get too excited about that. It's kind of one of the last things to have happen, but it is the one thing that they tell us about. You know, they'll always tell us our dilation of the cervix, and that's, of course, how open it is. But the thinness, I think, is more important. It has to be soft to thin. It has to be thin to open or to dilate. So kind of focus on that percentage number, that effacement. Of course, they'll tell you the dilation, and that's um, in centimeters, and that's usually zero to 10 centimeters, of course. And before labor begins, we might be at one, two, three centimeters, sometimes four. I've seen as much as five, six, seven, and eight without contractions, which is kind of unusual, but it can happen. But typically we might have one, two, or three centimeters prior to labor beginning, prior to contraction starting. So dilation, that is, and it's just with fingers, right? This is all done in the dark, mind you. Um, whoever's examining is just done in the dark. You might get two different reports or slightly different information from two different examiners. So again, this is not like, you know, it's not like we're taking a, a literal measuring tape in there, um, but they'll, they'll, with their fingers, feel how open the cervix is. So we expect maybe something starting before labor. And then the position of the cervix. So during pregnancy, actually during the whole menstrual cycle, that cervix can shift and change positions in our bodies. But during pregnancy, it's generally pointed toward your back or posteriorly. So the word comfortable is never fits super well in the same sentence with vaginal exams. But when you're checked at like 36, 37 weeks, that cervix is probably still pretty posterior. So they come up the vaginal canal to check it. And then they have to go back and find it. So some people kind of say, gosh, I felt like they were reaching for my tonsils because they have to go back and get that cervix. Sometimes it really does point its cute little neck to the left or right, but um, typically it's posterior, straight posterior. And then through the labor process, and this might be, you know, we're working through several hours of contractions where our dilation is progressing really well. We're getting to six, seven centimeters that position will start to change. It will start to move forward. It will come midline in your body, like straight up and down, and it'll continue moving forward so that it's anterior and aligning with the birth canal. So they're gonna take note, what is the position of the cervix? Probably before labor begins, it's gonna be posterior. Throughout the process, it moves its cute little neck forward to align with the birth canal. So the exam is very much, Well, it's easier to locate the cervix when it's just right there at the top of the vaginal canal. And then station of the baby. So they're going to assess the station of the baby, which is where in the pelvis is the baby's head. So 
there are these cute little bumps on the ischium bone, which is a part of the pelvis, which remember, of course, you know, they're, they're feeling through soft tissue, musculature, but they can feel these spines. They're called spines, the ischium spines, um, through the musculature and tissue. And then from there, they can tell also centimeters how much above or below the baby, above or below those spines, the baby's head is. So if it's above, those are minus numbers. So we have minus one, that's one centimeter above where the cervix is, where those those ischial spines are. We have minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four. We're kind of getting higher in the pelvis. And so minus four, we're kind of above the bones of the pelvis. We haven't entered the pelvis yet. And then we have plus numbers below that. I always remember it's a positive thing when the baby's coming down. So we have plus one, plus two, plus three, and plus four. The baby's head is crowning. So those um, also are assessed throughout the process of labor. And we, of course, anticipate the baby to come down. It's going to be, of course, moving down throughout the labor process. Um, also, I want the, these aren't exactly straight up and down. If you can imagine the, a pelvis with a baby's head moving through it, they kind of fan-shaped a little bit more than just direct up and down. But the baby's navigating through the pelvis. And we'll talk more about that in other podcasts because it's a huge part of what's going on during, during labor is helping that baby to navigate. But we anticipate through the process the baby's going to come down. Now at zero station, that's where the ischial spines are. That's where the cervix anatomically is. That's where it kind of resides. It can technically be pressed below that. The cervix is a soft, you know, it's a soft little piece of anatomy. So it can be pressed below that um, by the baby's head. But typically the cervix is right at zero station. So that baby's going to be working his or her way down through the pelvis. So again, to review those five things are consistency. Is it soft or firm? Thinness, which is, or thickness, this is called the effacement, given a percentage number. 100% thin is completely vertically gone. Then we have dilation, which is the circumference of the opening of the cervix. So we've got from zero to 10, and that's just opening the gateway to the birth canal, huge part of the labor process. Then there's the position of the cervix. Is it still pointing towards your back? Is it starting to move forward to align them with the birth canal? And then the station of the baby. Where's the baby's head? So all five of these components are ways to progress during labor. It's not, we're not just dilating. The cervix is doing a lot of things. It softens, it thins, it opens, its little neck moves forward and the baby moves down through the pelvis. So if someone arrives at the hospital or the birth center, they typically especially hospitals, they're going to want to assess where labor is. Where's labor progress right now? So they're going to check the cervix. They're going to take note of all five things. They may not tell you all five things, but you're definitely welcome to ask all five things. Let's pretend somebody arrives at the hospital and they're four centimeters dilated. They're 60% effaced. The baby's at a minus two station and the cervix is posterior. Super awesome. Super normal. They admit this person in labor. Um, this person keeps working through labor, working with the contractions, maybe two, three, four hours goes by and you're curious to see what have I done in this last three, four hours. And if they check you again and say, oh, you're still four centimeters, that piece of information could feel frustrating. That's why we want to see and check what all five of those components are doing. Perhaps in that three or four hours, 
the consistency has changed. Maybe the cervix has become much more soft or more thin. Maybe that 60% effacement has now reached 80 or 90% effacement. The dilation may not have changed. That's okay. That's the last thing to have happen. Perhaps the position of the cervix, it was posterior earlier. Now it's come midline. It's starting to move forward, come towards the front of the body. And maybe that baby station, which was a minus two, has now come down to a minus one, or the baby's rotated a little bit. Awesome progress in three out of four components of what the cervix is trying to accomplish. So don't hang everything on the dilation. There's a lot more things going on with the cervix. So one interesting little thing to note, um, as I've tracked, I'm kind of a data junkie and I love to just look at numbers and patterns and things. And over the years, I've tracked the number of vaginal exams that, you know, as I've been with thousands of clients um, in dozens of different hospitals and over a 15 year period, the the pattern shows that the average number of vaginal exams during labor, so arriving at the hospital and then having the baby is 4.2. So in an average labor, we can maybe expect four-ish um, vaginal exams. Now, some people don't want any vaginal exams and that's so fine. Um, at hospitals, they do want to assess kind of where you are upon arrival. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, an exam can tell us like a next step. So what are we going to do next? What can we work on? What piece of the cervix needs help as far as like, are we still working on thinning? Are we still working on um, dilating in a certain spot? And we can maneuver the mom's body in positions to help with that. Um, it helps us know how to kind of proceed when we know that information, but it's not totally necessary, right? And the range of that 4.2 average is zero. Sometimes you walk in and you have a baby and nobody checked. There's just the baby's head. So there hasn't been an exam. Um, but the, the top end was 13. And I don't I don't re recall, you know, how long we were with that person in labor or, you know, if we were, it was over a period of three days. Sometimes that happens. But the average is four. So it's a little bit like I want you to think how often are you wanting to be checked and what does that information give you? For some folks we work with, they're like, I don't want to know. That's going to play with my head. Other people are like, I really want to know. That's going to help me in moving through this process, either psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically, if I know like, okay, awesome. That's why I'm feeling these really strong contractions and surges is because it's thinning the cervix. It's opening it. It's moving along. So Great ways to progress all five things. Know that vaginal exams are not necessary at 36 weeks. But if you want to know, awesome. You can you can know there's plenty of practices that don't check till 39 or 40 weeks. Probably by 40 weeks, you're wanting to know what's going on. Like, is the cervix preparing? Is it starting? Especially in our world of, you know, we have a, a high incidence of inductions. Um, the, another thing to know about a cervical exam is it doesn't tell us much um, that matters, if that makes sense. So while we might have that information, it doesn't tell us when the baby's going to be born or when the baby's not going to be born. It's not like there's a certain formula like, okay, when someone's dilated three centimeters and they're 80% of face, the baby will be born within two days. That's not the case at all. We've seen people walk around at five centimeters open and 80, 90% of face for a month thinking they're going to go into labor any minute and have a fast delivery because they're halfway done with, you know, what the cervix needs to do. We've also had people get checked in the morning at a clinic appointment. Their cervix is thick, it's firm, it's closed, it's posterior. They have a baby that night, right? So it doesn't indicate when. Um, there are, it may kind of give some clues. And really the further along the cervix is when it begins, maybe the less work you have to do. Some people will spend 
hours of early labor getting to three centimeters where other people start labor at three centimeters. So it can take some time off of labor for sure when this body's starting to do something. But what it does tell us is if an induction is necessary for a certain reason, and there's a lot of things to unpack about that, but if an induction is, if they're looking at doing an induction for a reason, hopefully it's a medical reason, hopefully you're okay with it, and we'll talk more about that in other podcasts, it tells your provider the method of induction. How are we going to start labor? How are we going to induce? If we have a cervix that's not very well prepared, it's firm, it's thick, it's closed, we're going to go about that very differently than we are if we have a cervix that's open three centimeters and 80% effaced, it's just on the brink. It just needs some contractions. Whereas a cervix that is thick and firm and closed, it needs first to soften. And that's kind of a slower process. So we'll talk about induction methods in another podcast, but that is the only incidence really where that cervical exam tells us a lot of pertinent information like, all right, what to do next. So I want you to kind of consider for yourself, do you want to know? How often do you want to know? Would that be helpful? And get all the information, ask all the questions, take notes, and kind of understand what your body's doing, what your cervix is doing. There's way more on this at birthlearning.com. We have some childbirth classes and breastfeeding classes there that are available to you. We'd love to have you go check that out. Um, But in the meantime, good luck to you. We're so excited for this awesome journey that you're on. And the more you understand about what's going on with your body and your pregnancy, the more prepared you'll be for a, a positive and empowering childbirth. That is your very own awesome experience is our goal for you. Thanks for being with us today. Again, this is Angie Rozier with the Ordinary Doula Podcast. I want you to do something today that inspires you. Go spread kindness in our world. Have a great one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Ordinary Doula Podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning. Episode credits will be in the show notes. Tune in next time as we continue to explore the many aspects of giving birth. Thank you.